Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here's this week's message. Well, you're an excited bunch. Nothing like walking up in complete silence here, so maybe we can change that a little bit. Um, it's good to be back. I did, uh, I have this lapel thing now. I never got, back when I was here, we still had the handheld. So if you see me grab it, and it's just my security blanket kind of thing, just to walk with, and you know, I feel more comfortable. It is good to be back. Uh, those of you who don't know me, hello, I'm Dell. It's nice to meet you. And uh, it's, it's really good. I'm, I'm coming from the Chicago area, so I'll take this cold over what's happening currently there. Uh, Leanna, my wife, uh, her and the boys, of course, send their love. Uh, they were very disappointed that we couldn't all pile on an airplane to come here. Um, but she did send me pictures uh, this morning of snow covered. It's, it's 8 degrees Fahrenheit currently there with a wind chill of, like, negative just horrible. <laughs> um, so God bless her as she suffers, and I've, I have to go work on my tan this afternoon in the sun. So, you know, uh, just keep that in mind and keep her in prayer. Uh, but it is great to be back. I think we have a, a photo. We've been gone for a little bit, but as you can see, I don't know, especially Isaac there. That is Isaac on this end, who's now taller than his mother. Um, is this being recorded, this part? So... <laughs> Make sure this doesn't go on the recording because he'll be embarrassed. But he is shaving now, too, which is like, <laughs> yep, yep. He had that peach fuzz caterpillar thing going on under his nose. And I'm like, we can't do this anymore. This is really awkward. So we're just going to shave that sucker off. And, uh, yeah, so it's been going well with him. His voice is deeper than mine now. Um, so it's interesting when I got on the phone with him. I'm like, who are you, the strange man in my home right now? And it's, oh, you're my son. So, uh, so that, even Noah, too, his voice has dropped. And... Uh, Actually, I don't know if you recognize this house. This is not our home, though I would like it to be. Um, does anybody have an idea what house that is? It is. I happened to look on a map and realize the movie Home Alone. Those of you who've seen that, that's actually the house from the movie, and it's only 40 minutes away from where we live. So we went there, and we had another picture. I didn't put it up, but everybody was doing the whole, you know, hands on the face, yelling like, like he did in the movie. But that was, a, that was a fun outing, and it just kind of shows, too, we're just having a... We're having a blast. I'm not saying it's all been roses and, you know, transition after being somewhere almost a decade, especially somewhere like this that's very different from that side of the world, uh, you know, cold weather uh, and many other things. It's, it's definitely been a transition for our family. Um, but we are we're doing well, and I want to take a few moments uh, to share just kind of what God's been doing. I know Pastor Steve uh, shared a little bit. But kind of to unpack that a little bit, just to encourage you, because most of us in here at some point are going to probably go to our home country, go back home or leave this place, or even if you don't go back to your home country, you're going to go to somewhere else. And we're always wondering, like, how, how's it going to work? You know, we get nervous, and I think the longer you're here, the more you get used to life here, and so the transition's a little more difficult. But we went back, and, and as many of you know, uh, my brother uh, was planting a church at the time, and we sort of had this idea that, well, we'll jump in with him and kind of see where it goes. It just seemed like, you know, we, does anybody else do this? I like kind of figure out, you're like, oh, I can see where this is going. And then God has something else in mind. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's exactly what happened. And so we were, we were doing the, the church together. 
And uh, it just wasn't quite gaining the traction, you know, that we were expecting. So then I ended up going back into uh, aircraft maintenance, uh, but this time not in the military side, on the commercial civilian side. So now I'm working on like 777s, you know, 747s, like big commercial aircraft. In the civilian world, which I've never done, I was a helicopter guy. And uh, it's been kind of like drinking from a fire hose in a lot of ways because there's just so much stuff coming at me, so it's a very new world. Plus, uh, I work evenings, and we don't have a hangar. So guess where Pastor Dell is in the evenings when it's 8 degrees outside? Yeah. So after being here 10 years, let's just say my blood's not quite as thick as it used to be. And uh, it's been, yeah, it's been interesting to say the least, you know, trying to do maintenance when you can't feel your fingers or your face or anything else, your toes. So uh, it's definitely been an adjustment. But you really have interesting moments with God in those times, don't you? While you're sitting out there and you're freezing and like, God, where's your, what's your plan in all this? And what was interesting is when I went, so I'm working at Chicago Hare Airport. Uh, for those of you passing through ever, just let, us, let me know and I'll come up to your airplane and wave at you and greet you, <laughs> greet you warmly, uh, warmer than the weather. And uh, so I'm working out there and because of that, it, it caused, it, it, for just travel purposes, because where my brother was, it was like an hour away. So we moved out towards the airport. So we live very close to Chicago O'Hare. And once the, the things with the church weren't quite going the way we thought, um, I just said, well, maybe I need to start kind of uh, just looking at some potential positions as pastors. So, you know, you go on. They actually have websites for that, believe it or not. You may not know that. Um, so you went online and, you know, saw some things that were maybe a good fit. I was applying all over the country, really. And um, there was only one church that, that seemed to, I, I, I made it through the first phase, you know, and then to the second phase, everybody else didn't like me. Um, and that hurts your feelings, believe it or not. It's very hard when you're rejected, you know, you put all your information out there and you're not good enough for that position, I guess. So, um, so you know, I licked my wounds for a while, but this church, it just seemed kind of like things were moving, we were moving towards each other. And so I found out later there was almost 300 people that applied for this position. And I kept kind of making the cut, making the cut, was invited to come. Uh, so they had a pastoral search committee. And so I had to do an online, well, first I had to like, you know, tell my whole life story in a like, 30-page questionnaire. And then went and met them in person uh, after an online uh, Skype interview. And uh, we did like, a, it was kind of fun, it was like an undercover shopper kind of thing, you know, so the family and I like visited just as a family, just checking it out, uh, new family in the area, and, um, you know, we, again, things just kind of kept moving, 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 and then uh, I was recommended ultimately, uh, my, myself and one other person, to the elders of the church, and uh, they, they, so the way they're doing their search is I'm kind of the, the first choice, and then there's a guy kind of in the, the wings in case the wheels fall off or they don't like my eating habits or something. So, um, so they, yeah. So, so I, I was invited out by the elders, three-hour interview, sharing things you most most people would never know. Uh, it's very personal, but it's it's good. Um, and so that went really well. I met staff, all these things, things moving, moving, moving. And so now um, it's pretty much. I don't want to be overly, you know confident, but it's, you know, the, everything's good with the, the leadership of the church. I've, and the church is great, too, because the senior pastor's still there. He announced his retirement last year, so everything's healthy, everything's good. And uh, so I'll be actually preaching 
I, I, I'm, all that's left is the congregational vote, all right? And so if you, if you remember us in prayer on uh, March 1st, I think that's a Sunday, uh, that's the day I'll be preaching, and then the congregational vote a week later for the final acceptance, approval, and I just need 75%, so we'll see. I don't know. If I get 76%, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I mean, one out of every four people in the, the congregation doesn't want me, so I don't know if we'll continue it, but we'll see how that goes. But, uh, but it's been quite a process, and you know, it, I don't know if you see the writing or see it kind of falling into place, but when you walk through times like that, that where things don't go the way you think they're supposed to go or going to go, and again, the job I got, where I got it, caused us to move out to a, a church or to a, to a place that only happened to be a half hour from the one church that brought me in that close, you know. I mean, is that coincidence? It does sound like God, right? Right? And, and you know, I just want to encourage you all today that God is faithful, that God is moving even when it seems like things are falling, the wheels are falling off, you know. I mean, because there was a time, I don't know if you realize, there was a time when, like I said, we thought we would be doing ministry alongside my brother, and then there was a gap of, you know, well, I need to get a job now, so that had to happen, and there was, it, it, to say it was stressful, you know, would, would be an understatement. But, you know, uh, Leanne and I, we, would just, we just kept praying, we kept trusting, and just as things unfolded, I, I just, I'll tell you, I, I can do aircraft maintenance, but it's not my passion or my love. Right. It pays the bills. I do enjoy it at times. You know, it's not a bad thing, and I'm grateful for it. And so when you do, when you have to step into that and you do, you know, you're doing that, it's just like, God, again, what, did I get the signals mixed? Is some the wires crossed? But then you begin to see this glimpse of God's plan. And I tell you, it, it was, uh, it's just been an amazing experience. And the people at the church there are, are wonderful. It's about a 200-member church. And it's just, all I can say is it's just a testament to how faithful God is. And so, you know, you may not be on the other side of the world right now in, in snow or, you know, uh, transitioning. Or maybe you are. Maybe you're transitioning here. Maybe this is your, you're in that phase right now here. And I just want to encourage you that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Yes. That God, it may not be what you think it is. It may not be the way that you thought it was going to look or, you know, in, even in the place you thought. But God has a plan and a purpose for your being here. God has a plan and purpose for you being in this service today. Yeah. And he loves you and he will be faithful to you and to lead and guide you as you continue to walk this out. And don't miss the opportunity for what God has for you here. Because I don't know if you know this, but Illinois, if you look it up online, it's like a top five state, but it's a top five state of people leaving the, the state. Great housing market, you know, I mean, nobody's there, but, but people are leaving by the droves because of taxes and all these things. People are not flocking to Illinois. And go figure that Leanne and I would end up going into something like that, you know, after everything we went through here and it's just like, yep, that sounds about right for our life. Uh, but when you see that you're in God's plan, sometimes you've got to run towards the fire. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to run towards the fire. And, and it's, it's just so good, though, when, when you know that you're doing what God's called you to do. Amen. And so, again, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you all know, and we'll be celebrating together when it's 100% final, final. Um, but you know, it, does, it does seem that it's, it's going to be locked in here very shortly. And and it'll just be a testament again to God's grace. So 
that's a snapshot of what's going on in our world. Um, and it's, it's been great. And again, the boys are doing well. Everybody's healthy. Isaac's 13 now. Noah's 12. Josh is 7. And um, Leanna is an undetermined age that I cannot share. She's 22. Uh, did you get that recorded right? All right. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's uh, you know, we're just, again, we're just thankful. And they do send their love. And I, I just, I do want to just thank her, even though she can't hear me, for just giving me the opportunity. It's, it's a big uh, thing for her to stay there and manage to wrangle three boys uh, for about 10 days. Um, so it's just giving me this opportunity to be here today with all of you. So if you would, I, I did come to, to share a message today. Uh, I'll be brief. Has most people forgotten that that doesn't really fit in my vocabulary when I preach? Uh, that's a, but most pastors always say that a short message and you just might as well get comfortable. But I will do my best uh, to move uh, at a, a, a decent rate. And um, I pray that you're, you're blessed by it. But if you would, I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Matthew 18. It'll also be on the, the screens here. Matthew 18 and... We're going to, uh, I'll be reading from the ESV, and it's, it's a great chapter about relationships. It's, it helps, especially within the church, and just how we function, and how we walk together, and how we deal with things together, and, and um, it's just, it's got a lot of great stuff here in Matthew 18. Um, but I'll be reading from uh, verse 21 onward. It says, uh, then Peter came up and said to them, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times, and Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him. Please don't ever settle a dispute this way, just so you know. It's not really advised. Um, it's, not the, it's not good, okay? Can we agree on that? I could probably stop the sermon there if you could get that, but, but I'm not, but I'm going to keep going. All right? Uh, and began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I again once, just want to say thank you so much, God, for giving me this opportunity just to be together, oh Lord, with the body of Christ, with family. And God, I just thank you for this uh, just uh, great time just to be able to share your word. God, I thank you for just our hearts to be open to what you have for us today. God, I pray that, sh that your word strikes deep to our hearts, that it takes hold and it, and it, and it grows and it, and it changes us. We trust you with that. Bless it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. And so today's message is, is called Forgiven to Forgive, and, and it, uh, that, that was a parable being shared by Jesus. Many of you have probably heard it. You probably heard it in your kid when you were a kid, if you were in the church. Or, and so um, I don't know if you remember me saying this often, but, but don't tune out just because you've heard this before. Um, you need to tune in because there's, I believe, something here that God has to share with you. And again, a parable is, is a story. And we, we have to be careful how we engage with that, because it's, 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 but it is used to, to teach us something, a biblical truth, right? And so there is something here for us to learn. There's a, a band that was, it's pretty old now, but there was a band called the Eagles. I don't know if anybody's heard of them. I know you, none of you listen to secular music, so don't, don't bother, don't look around. Um, but there was a band called the Eagles, and the, the lead singer, was, his name was Don Henley, and they, they, he sang a song called Heart of the Matter. And now, as far as I know, nobody's sing it yet. Don't sing it. As far as I know, Don Henley, I don't know if he's a Christian. I don't think he was a Christian, but he has some wise words, and I'm going to share them with you today. He wrote this song called Heart of the Matter, and this is what part of it says. He says, there are people in your life who've come and gone. They let you down. You know they've hurt your pride. You better put it all behind you. They, you better put it all behind you, baby. That's the lyrics. Sorry, I'm not talking to any of you. <laughs> you better put it all behind you, baby, because life goes on. And he goes on, he says, you keep carrying that anger, it'll eat you up inside, baby. I've been trying to get down, Here's this is what I want you to get, this is the, the spiritual truth here. I want to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter, but I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness, and listen to this last line, profound statement, even if, even if you don't love me anymore. And I was just blown away by that, that somebody could write that and, and understand that, that there is a, res, a response of forgiveness, even if that person doesn't love us anymore. Even if that person is not showing us love or kindness, we have a responsibility, and now I'm going to take it over. I don't think he meant this. We have a responsibility as believers, as Christians, to forgive even if they don't love us anymore. We have to forgive. And forgiveness can be difficult because the offense often comes from someone very close to us, doesn't it? Oftentimes, someone that we've, we love, it can even happen. Because, I mean, if you don't really know a person or you, you know, you're not in close relationship to a person, then really you haven't opened up yourself to that person. And so, you know, while they may not do something, it's like, well, you know, it doesn't hurt as much, does it? But when it's somebody that's very close, a family member, uh, a church member, people that we, we, just, we are open with and that they know us intimately, they do something to us, whether sometimes on accident, sometimes intentionally, it can strike very, very deep in us, can it? And it hurts. And if we're not careful, we can begin to, to close off to people and not be open with people, but yet... You know, as, as again, we are called the body of Christ. And imagine if your brain didn't communicate with your fingers or your legs or, you know, if we close off, we are much like that same body, then how do we function when we're not together? And that's where unforgiveness can, can drive a wedge in between people. In the body of Christ, in a marriage, in a friendship, unforgiveness can slowly begin to strangle that. And the, the thing is, 
when we don't address unforgiveness in our life, it can begin to creep in other relationships of our life. Because that, that root of unforgiveness, if not dealt with, it will turn into bitterness. And that bitterness can then turn into hatred and, just, and it can give place to many, many horrible things. And frankly, God does not give us place for that to be in our lives. And God, he doesn't just make a demand that we can't carry on forgiveness, but it's because through Jesus Christ and the power that comes through him, we do have the power to overcome that. It may not, I'm not saying it's easy, and I don't want you to misunderstand me, because I understand in a room this size, there are people in this place that there are horrific things that may have been done to you. And so please don't misinterpret what I'm saying or misunderstand what I'm saying, that it's, it's always easy, and it's just like, oh yeah, that person just did this horrific thing. Yeah, forgive them. I'm not saying that. And sometimes it is a process but we are called to engage into that process to move towards forgiveness. And so from this parable that Jesus shared, I want to share three aspects from it that, that I want us to look at. The first one is I want us to look at the size of the debt that was shared, the size of the debt. And there's an interesting statistic I found. Uh, this is from a Barna study that happened in the United States. And you know, I don't know from the countries that you're from or if it's different places in the world. I don't know if there's studies there, but this is from, the, from my country, the United States, and I just want to share it with you. And it might ring true in, in a lot of places, but listen, listen to this. It says, while extending forgiveness should be found prevalent amongst Christians, it's interesting to note that according to this recent Barna study, only around 50% of Christians believe they have received unconditional, joyful forgiveness from another person who had hurt them upset them, or sinned against them. Let that sit for a second. So half of the body of Christ feels that they have not received, or believe that they have received, which means there's 50% that believe they have not received unconditional forgiveness. The body of Christ, I don't know if you caught that part, not the world, the body of Christ that's supposed to be the example, that's supposed to be the leaders in, in being able to do this. Why? Because we serve an awesome God who gives us the power to overcome these things. But there is 50%, half of the body of Christ, that doesn't feel that they've received that. Can we agree that that's a problem? This debt, the size of this debt, and that's, I want to maybe help us a little bit through this. This 10,000 talents. Now listen to this. One talent was worth about 20 years wages is what they estimate for the average laborer. 20 years wages. One talent. How many did he owe? Y'all not taking notes? 10,000. Any mathematicians? I'm, I was waiting for one person in here to do it. But listen, somebody, they said, I, I, through my research, and I, I didn't do the math on this. I'm just telling you that's not my area. You know, my area is... Not math. I'll just put it that way, okay? I'll dig a hole or hit myself over the head with a shovel, but not, not math. This is what they said is 193,000 years. Anybody got that? You got that debt covered? You want to get working on that one? 193,000 years. And so this person, they owed more than they could ever repay. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Am I preaching heresy on that then? We're good, right? Biblical truth. More than they could repay. We all agree, right? More than they could ever repay. Remember, but though that this is a parable and it's told in a story fashion because it's trying to get the main point across. You know, have, have you ever 
you know, told a story and, you know, and you, you, I don't know if, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but you exaggerate, you know, I, I caught a fish, you know, you, this big, it was this huge fish, you know, and it was actually like this, and, you know, but there I was, and wind was all blowing in my face, and I'm reeling this fish in, and the guy that was actually there, your buddy, you know, dimes you out, I was like, yeah, it was like this, <laughs> it was a minnow, but, but you do that to, to get the point across, right? And so what's happening here, again, they're trying, Jesus is using this parable to get the point across that this is a sin, or this, this was a debt that was beyond unpayable, right? And this debt, as I accidentally slipped already, represents our sin, doesn't it? Our sin. We had sin that was unpayable. The size of our debt we could not pay. And that's hard for some people. You know, when you don't come from a background that was, you know, whether it was on the streets or doing really bad things, maybe in a gang or, you know, maybe strung out on drugs and God restored, those people can kind of grasp that sometimes. But some of us, if we're not careful, you know, we lived a pretty good life. We were a perfect child, right? Never cried. Always ate our Brussels sprouts. But, you know, if we didn't do something horrific, then we're like, yeah, you know, I came to Christ and I repented of my sins. And we, we kind of think that almost like we're, we, were, we weren't too bad. But let me, let, me give you, let me just break you in on something, a secret. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. God doesn't see like, well, that's a, that's a pretty good sin. That one over there, well, not so much. Sin is sin. And we have to constantly remember that sin is sin and that Christ came and died to pay for our sin. However little or how small you think it is or was, he paid for that. Second thing I want to look at in this story, first we had the size of the debt. The next thing is the heart of the unforgiving servant. Okay, The heart of the unforgiving servant. Here we see a heart that is prone to selfishness, don't we? He was just forgiven this insurmountable debt. Yeah, because this, basically a, a, a co-worker, you know, another slave, possibly even a friend, owed him this, in comparison, a very minor debt, didn't he? Yeah. But all he could see was, this is what you owe me. You, I deserve what you have. Give it to me because you, you owe it to me. To the point that he couldn't even see what had just happened, right? What he was just forgiven of. And how often, if we're honest, are we the same? I think it's quieter in here now than when I walked up. But it's true if we're honest with ourselves. Myself, I'm, I'll just use myself for as an example. You know, I, it's easy to slip into selfishness, isn't it? It's easy. It's, it's our nature. You, know, you, you see it. If you, have, if you have kids or been around kids or teach kids or, or know a kid or have borrowed a kid before, you, it doesn't take long to see that there is a selfishness that comes out very quickly in, in children, right? Oh, that's, that's my toy. You have it. Well, I want it, so boom, take it, right? None of you all do that, right? Okay. But we, we, we see that, and it's in our nature, and so it's very easy to slip into this selfishness. Why? Because we do not completely grasp, much like this servant, we don't grasp the size of the payment that was made for our sin, just like this servant 
didn't grasp the size of the payment for his sin. And this, this heart, the heart of the servant as well did not fully grasp the undeserved kindness shown to him by the king. The king, by not making the servant pay the debt, and this may seem small, but it really struck me this morning as I was praying and going over the sermon again, who, who ultimately paid for the debt? The king. The debt, it just doesn't like evaporate into thin air, does it? Basically, the, the king is out that, many, that much money or talents, whatever you want to call it. He has absorbed that, what was rightfully his. Somebody had to pay something. You understand? I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to like, how do you, I hope I'm getting across what I mean. Like for me, you know, or at times you can just like, well, okay, you forgive the debt. Like if somebody owes you a dollar or, or sorry, I'm back in Kuwait, KD, if they owe you a KD, you know, that's like, if they, oh, well, you know, it's not a big deal probably for most people in here. Like, yeah, it's not a big deal. So who ultimately pays for that? Well, you're out of KD, right? So you're paying for that, and that's very small. Now, imagine if somebody owed you 100,000 KD, and they came up to you and they said, hey, brother, I don't know if I can pay that back. Are we, are we good? Can we just forget about that? And <laughs> how, how would our attitude be then, right? I know you all would say, yeah, it's no problem. <laughs> but it's the, it's, it's the size of the debt, right? Yeah. But somebody has to pay for it. Somebody has to pay for it. Lastly, I'm not going to say in closing yet, but lastly, we have the heart of the king. Yeah. The heart of the king. And what, what's an amazing and one of the most beautiful pictures to me and scripture is this picture that we see here is the king how he responds to the servant as the servant just falls on his face and he sees humility he sees brokenness and he's moved in his heart with compassion you know a lot of times we see kings and they can be very very cruel and very mean but here's this king that shows compassion that this this servant's a person and he releases the servant and doesn't just release him, but he forgives him his debt, wipes it clean, absorbs the cost upon himself. Only the king had the ability to release the servant from what was owed. No one else could have done that, only the king. We, church, have been forgiven because God the Father sent his only son as payment for our sin. Think of the cost of your sin to be forgiven. Think of the cost of your sin to be forgiven. And I want you to get this part here. When we do not have an accurate picture of our sin, we don't under accurately understand the high cost of sin or the greatness of the love of Christ for us. You see, when we have this picture in our minds, like I was talking earlier, we have this picture of us, a sin is this small, like I wasn't that bad, I wasn't, I was, you know, just kind of bad, then what do we ultimately do is we take the cost and the price that was paid and we make it very small. If you owe a dollar or a KD and they, you just have to pay a KD back, that's, that's not a big deal. But if you owe hundreds of thousands, then it's a big deal if somebody pays that for you, doesn't it? 
Let me just tell you today that your sin and my sin were beyond what we could ever imagine in size and cost. And the cost was great to pay for that and to wipe that clean. Remember that the purpose of this parable is to teach the depth of what is found in verses 21 and 22. When Peter asked Jesus if he should forgive seven times, and Jesus answered, not seven times, but 77 times, or depending on translation, 70 times seven, or that's not a number, that's, that's beyond what you know, right? That's huge. And that's why Jesus was answering that way. And so our ability to forgive and walk in fellowship with one another is directly tied to our fully comprehending the high cost of the forgiveness extended to us through Christ Jesus, restoring our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We hear so much in the church today about faith and prayer, and, and, and those things are not, those are very important things, and I'm not taking away from that. But it seems like, you know, if you go, if you had a Christian bookstore back in the day, I guess you go to a Christian thing online now, If you're looking for prayer and faith, the list is almost eternal (laughs) of what you can find. Just endless after book after book on prayer, book after book on faith. And those are great, and there's some great books out there. But look at what Jesus is recorded saying in the Gospel of Mark. And he's answering a comment by Peter. Uh, This was after they came across the withered fig tree that Jesus had cursed for not bearing fruit. Listen to this in Mark 11, 22 through 25. He says this, And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Listen, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Pretty awesome, right? Pretty great. Let's continue. That's your your faith, right? That's your faith. Or I'm sorry, that's your prayer. And it says, um, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, sorry, this is your prayer, that was faith. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it, and what? It will be yours. So we see prayer and faith working there, right? Prayer and faith, prayer and faith. A lot of us like to stop there. When I hear people quote this, they just, what else is there to say? I mean, that's, that, that rocks. That's awesome. Well, let's read further. <laughs> if you'll go there with me. Verse 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. This ruined everything, right? And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is echoing the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. You see, there's, there's a requirement here for prayer and faith to be active and working, isn't there? Is forgiveness. You got my notes, Steve? No, no. Oh, okay. You're doing good at this. Forgiveness, right? And again, it's just something I think that we, if we're not careful, can just really blow past and overlook in our lives. Do you know what that person did to me? I have a right. Well, you can be upset, and you don't have to be in relationship with that person necessarily or talk to that person really. But you have to forgive them. Well, if, if they come to me and they tell me that they're sorry, then I'll forgive them. That's not going to get you to where you want to be. When I was young, I've shared this story, I'm sure, before, but because there's a lot of new faces, 
I get to reuse my material now. When I was, when I was young and growing up, you know, there was, I, I, there was a lot of family issues going on with my parents. And long story short, my senior year of high school, I found out that I was the product of an affair that my mom had had. And you want to talk about battling with unforgiveness. You know, when you've lived a lie of who your father, your name, all, this, all these things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like what that does to you? And I remember sitting there, even at that age, I was a teenager, and I'm like, God, how do I ever, how do I forgive for this? I know what your word says. I could read it in the Bible, but it's a lot different when it comes to sometimes practicing it, doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds great on paper, and we can woo in church, and we look the part, but when it comes to nuts and bolts in the trenches doing it, that's a different story, isn't it? But I knew I had to. I knew I had to get there. And I remember when my mom and I had that conversation, I said it. I'm like, Mom, I forgive you, but, but I, I, that was the most I could do at that point. But I knew in my heart I, I didn't fully mean that at that point, right? And I'm sharing this today because I just want to be transparent with you today. And I believe that there are people in this room that can maybe glean from this. But sometimes forgiveness is a process, Forgiveness is a process. And I remember I began a journey from that moment. My heart's desire was to please God. My heart's desire was to be what the Bible says. And God, I don't want unforgiveness in my heart. And it wasn't until, my goodness, maybe four or five years later, I joined the military. I was at my first duty station. I went to our, the church I was attending. And I don't exactly remember what the pastor was saying, but I remember I just started weeping. And God just began to like do something in my heart that I'd, I could not do on my own. And I knew at that point, I just felt like this release with my mother and a forgiveness and a strength to be able to truly and once and for all say, I forgive you. And so I went home. We're back to my barracks room. It wasn't really a home, but it was more like a you know, brick room with a bed. Um, I called my mom. You know, I'm, I'm like... You know, and mom gets on the phone, and I'm all like, ah, mom. You know, I'm crying and stuff, and it's like, this is gonna be this amazing moment, and we're gonna, it's just gonna be awesome. God's just been so good. And mom, I, I just wanted you to know I was at church today, and God got a hold of me, and the Spirit of God moved and gave me the strength. And I, I just want you to know I completely, 100% forgive you of everything, and I love you. And you know what she said? Okay. Do you know why? Because I had been the one that was carrying that for all those years. Not that she didn't have to wrestle and deal with things. She, it was not necessarily for her as much as it was for the release to happen within me and what God had done in my life and brought me to that place. And so understand when you hold on to unforgiveness, you're not doing anything for that other person or to that other person. Oh, I'm not going to forgive them. They can. Uh, they're probably out sipping coffee and eating dates. <laughs> See, I can still use my illustrations well, right? I remember where I'm at. They're out doing whatever. They're living their life. 99.9% of the time, that person hasn't thought about you again. All you've done is hindered yourself and your relationship with God because of holding on to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, church, is sin, no matter how big or how small. 
in closing. Psalm 66, 16 16 through 20 says this, and please listen to this. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. And listen, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love. He hasn't removed it, okay? He hasn't removed his steadfast love from me. An umbrella blocks the sun, and the sun is still shining. He has not rejected my prayer. Are you in a place today where you feel like your prayer life or your prayer is going about as far as the ceiling? Are you wondering, God, what, why is, where's this disconnect? And I'm not going to say that it's all the time this way, but many times if, if we ask God to show us, is there sin in my life? Is, is there unforgiveness there that's hindering this, this prayer? If I had not cherished iniquity, if I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Are you getting that? Would not have listened. Again, just to reiterate, forgiveness is tremendously difficult at times. I get that. And I wanted I shared that story. It's very personal to me, but I wanted to share that because I understand what you're saying. It's difficult, but we are still called to walk in it nonetheless. Forgiven to forgive. The size of our sin, our sin is beyond what we could imagine. And by realizing that, we realize the love of Christ and the price for our sin was beyond what we could imagine. And I like what Abiel shared today with being Valentine's Day. We sang these songs about the love of God. Do you have any idea how much God loves you? Do you have any idea how much God loves the body of Christ? Do you have any idea how important it is and how vital it is that we live a testimony as the body of Christ because the world is watching. And we do that by walking in forgiveness to one another. Because why? Because we have to. We have to. It's not an option. If you profess to be a believer and a follower of Christ, it is not an option. And we're called to it. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I just thank you once again, God, for the people in this room. God, I thank you for, my goodness, God, just the, the price that was paid that we, we could not, we can't even begin to comprehend. God, just to see a glimpse of the size of the love that you have for us. And God, I pray that, that we are a church, that we are a people that walk in forgiveness to one another. God, we want you to hear our prayers God, we want you to bless us. We want the world to see that that, that we are, are united and one in fellowship with one another as a testimony to who you are. God, I pray for anybody here in this room today that's struggling with unforgiveness in their heart. God, I pray right now that either they, they're able to just forgive that person altogether or at least, Lord, as you did in my life and showed me just that they can take that first step in the, in the journey towards getting to that place of being able to forgive completely. God, let us be quick to forgive 
Let us be quick to extend grace and mercy to one another. And let us walk in love as a testimony to the world around us. God, I ask you to bless each one here today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for what you've done in this place. And let us leave this place changed today. In Jesus' name, amen.